0: Welcome to another episode of the Axiom Principle. I'm your host, Dr. G. Tonight we'll be discussing outcome versus opportunity when it comes to the discussions and the, and the rhetoric put forth by the campus students of today and the disturbing precedence that it sets with the liberal teachers that are pushing this ideology forward as well. So just to get into it a little bit, um, there's two dynamics that we look towards when we talk of equality. There's there's only two particular outcomes, so it's a very binary system, in, in so much that there's only two possible ways feminists want equality of the sexes. That means all things being equal, whatever happens to a man happens to a woman, uh, opportunities are... are um, in, in the realm of jobs, uh, pay, what have you, should be equal across the board. There should be little to no discrepancy between the two. However, is that really how it turns out? I don't think so. Equality of the ideal, ideological position and equality of the reality um, outcome. So let's let's try to narrow it down a little bit further. When we're talking about equality of uh, the minorities, the marginalized and the and oppressed, as the SJWs put it, repeatedly, if um, if there is to be equality, the color of your skin should mean nothing. Yet. Uh, SJWs can't help but talk about skin more than anything else. And it's infuriating. It's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Apologies. I'm opening up a can of soda while talking to you all. Can't help it. I'm thirsty. So at any rate, if you look at what they're talking about in in the realm of gen, uh, in the realm of race or ethnicity, however you prefer to put it, then the black person and the white person should have the same opportunities and outcomes regardless of situation or position. They, they have total autonomy and, and full equality. But is that really the case? That is put forth as this is, should be the way it is. But is that even possible? And I would argue that no, it is not parsable. Let's uh, let's split up the two real quick. I want to talk about equality of outcome and equality of opportunity in different segments and try to analyze them as best possible to understand why the social justice position of equality is a fairy tale. It's a myth. It cannot happen when it has attempted to be happened or attempted, um, it's been very bad for those that were in that situation, uh, up to and including death. So equality of outcome. Which suggests that no matter who you are or what you are, be it male, female, non-binary, transgender, whatever the hell you want to label yourself, no matter what you do, the equality of the outcome should be the same, meaning that if I put forth effort, to make a thousand widgets in an hour, let's just do a manual labor example. Then the other person should equally have the opportunity or the outcome of a1,000 widgets per hour. Is that truly the case? Can both perform in the same manner and same speed? Is one more dexterous than the other? Does physical ability? now impair the equality of outcome? I would suggest yes. And you don't need to look any further than the Olympics to determine that this is an impossibility. None of us um, that are average Joe people can swim as fast as the fastest swimmer in the Olympics or run as fast as the fastest runner. What we would expect in the equality of outcome is that all runners would run equally the same speed at the same time and get the same distance. There would be no competition because everybody has the equality of outcome. Everybody gets a medal. Of course, this is also a slight misrepresentation, maybe a a possible straw man of their position, but think of it as this way. If we assume that there is difference in physiology that enables certain people to run faster than others, which seems to be the case, in our 1 million year or 2 million year history of humanity, then the fastest runner will always win. That's that's kind of a common thing to say. However, that would also say that because this person won, and it's not fair to everyone else, that everybody gets a medal. This is a common thing that I've seen in other competitions, especially with, at the children's level, where... Uh, to save everyone's feelings of loss and being a loser in a competition, everybody gets a medal. This uh, equality of outcome, in this sense, deprives person it deprives people of a, of a clear opportunity of learning and personal development. Because when you step into the business world, when you step into the opportunities of actually making money or what have you, you will soon discover that not everyone gets a medal. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Nothing ever works in your favor. The more risks you take, the higher chance you are to be dead in certain circumstances. So to presuppose that the opportunity of outcome is, is the result of a fair and just system deprives the winner of their efforts to win and deprives the loser of their opportunity to learn and be better. Because who, ha- who actually has the motivation to try harder if the, everybody gets a medal and it doesn't matter? There's no motivation there. There's no opportunity to win, to lose, to grow. There's an age-old saying that um, has been passed around for years and years, that which does not kill you makes you stronger. This is a survivalist term back to when um, if you were to survive a near-fatal incident, you had the opportunity to learn from that incident and never do that again. Clearly a growth opportunity in these cases. At the same time, uh, if we take the risk and danger of death, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger and presuppose that which you lose will make you stronger. This takes the context of putting it into a competitive environment where you do have the opportunity to lose, but it also enhances your ability to learn from that loss and perhaps not lose twice. Going back to my analogy to the Olympics and the competitions, the winner one year may not win the second year. The fastest swimmer one year may not swim as fast the next year. Maybe they slacked off. Maybe they tried harder. And maybe somebody else tried harder than they did to become faster than they are. The competitive edge, the competitive advantage that humans have is our ability to overcome our failures. This is one thing that we have that most other animals don't is the ability for self-reflection. When you negate that by negating the opportunity of self-reflection, you weaken our psyche, weaken our position and weaken our ability to learn from our mistakes. If everyone gets a medal, there is no mistake. There was never a mistake to begin with because there's no difference between people. It's an equality of outcome. You have nothing to learn and you have nothing to lose. Everyone gets a medal. And in quality of outcome, when it comes to the social justice position of the feminists, the equality of outcome for men and women, uh, particularly the biggest argument I've heard so far is the pay gap. For example, the diversity between pay is 70 cents to the dollar. Men make more. What's interesting is this is a false premise. It is a cherry picked from a subset of data. Whenever I've looked at any of the data from uh, several different countries, I've looked at Australia, I've looked at the UK, I've looked at United States, I've looked at Sweden, I've looked at Denmark, and I've looked at Germany so far. Each one of these demonstrates the same thing, that there is 70 80% to the dollar um, or to the euro or however you want to put it of their currency, where women make less than men when they attribute factors of personal choice vacations and other um, social decisions whether it be uh, working less hours working more hours um, going for promotion not going for promotion that type of thing the actual gap is two cents to five cents on the dollar 2.3 cents i believe was australia 2.6 is united states and Sweden actually was bigger, um, and it was five point something or other. I'd have to look it up again to give you the exact numbers. I did not prepare those numbers for you this time around. It was a particular point I wanted to make that this, this particular gap is a falsehood. It's presented as there is a problem here as an equality of outcome. In reality, when you compare two people in the same job, um, that's a small data set to begin with, so it's going to be erroneous. But uh, it all depends on the job and the qualifications. It's a position of merit in in a capitalist society, not a position of gender or race that determines how much you are worth. But in the equality of outcome, what you have is the demand that both the uh, wage and the person, no matter their qualifications, their level of effort for the job, whether they decide to try a little harder or less, whether they go for promotion or not, um, all of these things contribute to a zero sum. When uh, you compare the differences in opinions, um, to give you an idea in a statistical analysis, you have a standard deviation of, and a uh, margin of error. That margin of error is usually a 0.05 or 5%. So when you look at the statistics, when they calculate in specific jobs and social choices and whatnot, benefits and perks and what have you, the, the largest gap at 5.3, I think it was, does show a statistical significance, but you're talking marginally. A zero, uh, 0.053 is next to nothing. Most of them were 0.02. Um, case in point, uh, it was Audi, I believe it was, that had the horrible commercial where they were talking about the pay gap and uh, people lambast them about the pay gap at their own... Company and the retort was when you calculate in all social decisions and perks and whatnot, they, it comes out to point or two percent difference. Men still make more percent difference, which is statistically insignificant. You're talking about if two people were in the same job at the same time doing the same work, the man would make a hundred thousand dollars a year, the woman would make ninety eight thousand dollars a year or ninety nine thousand dollars a year ninety eight or ninety seven point five you're talking about three cents a day essentially it's it's very insignificant and it's something that the feminists argue about and argue for as if equality of outcome wasn't already achieved with their same rant that they've pushed for forever they just take a subset, a cherry-picked piece of data, and attempt to apply it. Let us look again at a different uh, equal opportunity of outcome when it comes to the racial quotient and the racial part of the argument from SJWs. It is said that if you take a white and a black person, the black person will not get the job, and the white one will, all because of ethnic names and ethnic races, ethnic uh, backgrounds, what have you um we cannot doubt that there is some discrimination when it comes to ethnic names somebody's going to look at Shaniqua and Cheryl and probably choose Cheryl and this would be a racist position because Shaniqua is obviously a ethnic name however I believe this too, to be a small subset of data where they've cherry picked information to make it look like a worse problem than it is. Um, Of course, I don't think that any study has actually been done on it that has any merit. Um, I haven't seen one to date, but I'm sure that somebody was thinking about it and probably did something. And if it's in a gender studies class where they published it in a site, gender equality or journal of gender studies and social normativity or some stupid-ass journal that's an echo chamber. You might find something there, but it wouldn't be worth very much. I would like to see a double blind, interesting study where you take a bunch of HR people and uh, give them a resume, and both the r- resumes are the same, exact same, down to the qualification qualifications of school, the work history, you name it, and just change the names. And who would they hire more and why? That would be um a more appropriate study if somebody were to do it and uh, for any of the students listening if they do decide to pick that up that wouldn't be a bad idea if you're actually going into a sociology or leadership studies or um, organizational psychology or something of that nature that wouldn't be too bad for a dissertation or thesis but i couldn't see it being given a grant for an actual full study just to debunk yet another claim um, that everybody's racist But getting back to it, the equality of outcome in this situation would stipulate that both people would get the job. However, there's only one position. So how would this be possible? Would it then come down to who has more qualifications or who is going to get along better inside the company? Or should we just give it to the minority because the majority has already too many jobs available to them already? Will that be a, a, an unequal opportunity? There would not be equality of outcome in that situation. Both should then get the job. And if there's only one position, then you're screwed. You, you'd have to choose between one or the other. And who do you choose? That is an, a paradox that cannot be solved with the SJW mantra of equality of outcome. It's it's a catch-22 in that sense. So let's move one step further and go to the equality of, of uh, gender, the non-binary, non-conforming, crazy SJW uh, rants for the LGBTQ, our xyz PDQ society. This one's a little bit more tricky because there has, up until Obama's years, been some inequality in these spaces. For example, uh, the right to marry has been restricted from uh, gay and lesbian couples for a number of years, and they still face some prejudice today. But that is not necessarily to say that they are treated less equal. It's more to say that we still have prejudice against gay and lesbian couples. This is to be expected given that religion is so prevalent in our society, both Eastern and Western cultures. Where Islam throws gay people off the roof if you happen to be gay, or the prime minister of Iraq or Iran—I can't remember which one it was—says that we have no gays in our country, probably because they killed them all. But in the Western civilizations, the right to marry was barely granted. It—it it happened just a couple of years ago, where they finally made it a federal law: we cannot discriminate. And then we had, um some insane clerks decide that they were not going to do it on religious grounds. Um, Being a representation of a government in in a county clerk position that is not only unconstitutional, but unethical as well. In this sense, equality of outcome was to let all people marry regardless quality of outcome in this sense, when it comes to inalienable rights, does, give you the opportunity to have the same rights as everyone else but not expect the same outcome as everyone else and what I mean by that let's continue along with the gay marriage example for this just because we give everyone the opportunity to marry doesn't mean that they will automatically marry it does not mean that just because two people decide to get married, they should be have or they should have the same opportunities and other things. Marriage is a um, institution where it gives you opportunities for tax breaks and stuff like that. And of course, everybody should tr- be treated equally. But is this more an inequality of in, uh, outcome or opportunity? The outcome is not the same. Two people getting married does not mean that they'll stay married. Two people meeting together does not mean that they will get married. If we were to say opportunity of outcome would be the same, anybody that hooks up with somebody else immediately must become married because the outcome would be the same between both parties. However, is that truly how things work? I'd like to segue over into the next section section, because this, I think, gives us a great jumping point into equality of opportunity. So sticking with the gay marriage example, equality of opportunity in this sense, everybody that is gay, lesbian, or straight, all three, have the opportunity to marry. Now, before this was an inequality. This was a State by state choice whether or not a person can get or can or cannot get married based on their sexual preference, something that should be nobody's business to begin with. Yet now, since this opportun- or since this uh, victory for the um, gay and lesbian um, couples that they now can marry just like anyone else, the equality of opportunity is what they have achieved, not the equality of outcome. The lines have been blurred because social justice believes that everyone can and should get married and that's that's what it is. And if it's not treated the same or not treated fairly, then they will burn your house down, I guess. It depends on if you're antifa or not. What you should see instead is if two people decide to marry, they can do so. This is an opportunity. Not necessarily a necessity. No one gets gold medals per marriage. Not every marriage works. Divorce rates are high because the opportunity to divorce is, no lo- is now something prevalent within society before people didn't divorce the way it used to be, mainly because survival depended upon the constitution of, or the um, institution of marriage. Um, we no longer have the burdens of survival in our bigger societies. So it's no surprise that the divorce rates have skyrocketed with the um, development of our own society. People get married because they think it's the right thing to do or they, they think it's uh, appropriate or they really in love or one gets pregnant or something. You know, whatever reason you have to get married doesn't mean you'll stay married doesn't mean that everything will work out. It does mean that everyone has the opportunity to marry. So in a system where they are applauding and cheering for the victory of equality when it comes to marriage, they're not cheering for the equality of outcome of marriage. That would mean everybody's marriage is happily ever after. What they have achieved is the equality of opportunity where everyone can get married if they so choose. The irony, of course, is that they think in the realm of equality of outcome when they really celebrate equality of opportunity. Let's move back to the ethnicity quotient and our conundrum with two people for one job. Now, when we put it to a position where we have two names, different names, same qualifications up and down, same school, same work history, same work locations. They both came from the same job in the different location. Both did the same work. So let's say that their history and background is completely identical. And they, they both apply for a new position within the company or without the co- outside the company, but the exact same position. It does not matter for this uh, thought experiment. Who's going to get the job? Well, that's entirely up to the hiring manager now, isn't it? Or the HR individual that's managing this position. Yet, what we have in this situation is an opportunity, not an outcome. The outcome is that the end result, is one person is going to get the job, not two. All people in this situation do not get the gold medal. One's going to lose, one's going to win. And it's entirely up to the discretion of the individual making the decision. Not necessarily as a good or fair, but just like a referee, the decision is made. Now people have to live with it. The opportunity is there for both people to apply to, but only one can win the gold medal, can win the job, or be hired. This opportunity of out, uh, this equality of opportunity Is paramount within our system. We are a competitive species. We're not worker ants and we're not bees, which I'll get to in a little bit. In our first example with the swimmers in the Olympics, opportunity for anyone to race in the Olympics is there. Anybody that wants to can race in the Olympics in whatever meet they decide to race in. But you better be damn well good to do it because is it a competition? Not an everybody gets the medal, uh, Care Bear, share time. What you have instead is the opportunity, not the outcome. The equality of opportunity in this case is everybody has the opportunity to win that gold medal. They have to be the fastest. They have to run the, run the farthest. They have to swim the fastest. They have to be able to throw the javelin the farthest. But not everybody's going to be able to win in these situations. The opportunity is there for anybody to win, but there can only be a first place for one person. Hence, one is the loneliest number. Ooh, great pun. So the opportunity in the feminist argument. Let's take a look look back at opportunity versus outcome when it comes to the pay gap and the argument for the existence of such things. If we take, for example, the the number that they give us, the 70 cents on the dollar argument, and assume that this is a true case, that there is the 70 cents on the dollar discrepancy, what is the opportunity here? Why are women making less? Is it discrimination? Is it a sexist, patriarchal society? That seems unlikely, given that there's many leaders in our organizations that are female. So why would they discriminate against other females? Would they not instead want to raise them up? Take the CEO of YouTube, for example. There is a pay gap within YouTube. Is it 70 cents to the dollar that women make less? The CEO might disagree. She clearly makes more than anyone else in the company. Yet, if it was a man in her same position, would they make the same? Would they make more? Would they make less? Given how Google stands toward trying to be the greatest SJW company in the world, I would assume that they would pay her more than if somebody else that was male took her place. However, what you'll see is it's actually about 2% in the United States. The opportunity for anyone to be a leader, to work more, to get paid more, to, to negotiate for their salary. Is there. There's nothing stopping you from attempting to make more, going to a different company and making more. The only thing that stops people from achieving such things is themselves. The opportunity, in this sense, is there for anyone. The pay gap exists because women take the opportunity to live about, uh, they take a greater work life balance than men do. Men tend to dedicate more of their time toward work and not less. So the opportunity to make more was decided upon and women, or women chose to make less and men chose to make more. It's a horrible thing to say when you think about it because who the hell would choose to make less than a man? But in reality, what has happened is, is they really haven't chosen to make less. What they chose was to live a different lifestyle than men. The consequence of this choice is a lower outcome, so men and women have a two to five percent pay gap because of personal choice. When personal choice comes into play that's the opportunities to either live a certain life and live the way you want to, maybe travel more and whatnot, or work and make a heck of a lot of money heck of a lot more money to be impressive toward Somebody else. Typically what's ironic in this situation is that men work their butts off to make a hell of a lot more money to be impressive and uh, showcase themselves as successful towards women. Women on the other hand, when they're successful, I I don't believe that they actually do this for the same causes and the same purposes. It's more likely that what they do is they decide to work as as a man because it now has become a competition for them as well, where they want to have greater opportunity, the greater outcome. So this, this conundrum of opportunity versus outcome can be summed up in, in a very small type of way that pretty much destroys the argument for any social justice position. In these senses, the opportunity of outcome is an impossible test because you must take it to the lowest common denominator. What happens at the lowest common denominator is the person that tries the least is the one that sets sets the pace for everyone else. What this means, in the sense of any equality of outcome, is The social loafing, for example, is a good example of how this will turn out for people. The person who joins the group will – let's say there's a group of five people. And these five people put forth effort to complete a task or job. This task is mission critical to the company. But certain people put forth more effort than the others. Nearly the same. If the job, let's assume that the job gets done, the outcome is the same. But in one case, if you have two groups doing the exact same job, if you have people contributing a lot and people contributing nothing, you'll see that the ones that are social loafing, ones that contribute least and are just in the group for the ride, will have a harder time of completing their tasks on time, or within scope than those that have participation from all the team members um, at a higher rate. But inevitably, what happens in any group is certain individuals do more work than others. Those tend to be the leaders of those groups. So, at some point, if you take a the group pay, you will see that one person, maybe, is not doing any real work. Maybe they come in and share their ideas their opinions, but don't actually contribute to the whole of the project. You have one or two people that do most of the work, They the most knowledgeable, the most understanding, and they, they contribute the most. And then you have the other two people that are there to do the menial tasks, or they do the tasks that will um, that the other two don't want to do, and the social loafer will not do. So the, the project gets done, but you have one freelancer, essentially. If you take group number two that took longer or took shorter, but everybody contributed, it's the standard for all people was distributed um, near equally. What I mean by that is that it would have five people doing work, but they contributed at at a greater amount. So three or four people, are probably contributing more than the last two or even the last one. You'd still have a social loafer, somebody that's just showing up for the group along for the ride. This happens in every group. Every group. There's always, there's usually always a social loafer and you have a difficult time working with these people because they, they try to deflect their own responsibilities off onto somebody else. Inequality of outcome in these situations, you would only be able to work as hard as the weakest person in your, in your team. you only as strong as your weakest link, as it's been said. In this case, you would have the individual doing the least amount of work. Everybody would have to work. If you wanted the equality of outcome, they would all have to work at the same pace with the same effort and opportunity. Each would have to work at an equal pace. The outcome to be the same for the individual's. Now, if you take the, take the group two where more people worked and you got shorter, the opportunities that people had was to showcase their own abilities in order to either impress their own bosses or impress the project leader or um, possibly get a, a, a few extra widgets or promotion or more money or what have you but the opportunity in the group is presented and those people that are advantageous will take those opportunities. Inequality of outcome, everybody works at the same pace and the outcome is the same, but one takes longer than the other. And now if time was a critical factor in each one of these projects, group one would be fired. Group two would keep their jobs and possibly kick one person out to try and be a more efficient because that person did not contribute in any sensible way. So the end result of those two groups is the paramount difference between equality of outcome and equality of opportunity. The social loafing, the single person, the lowest common denominator is always going to be the level set standard for the rest of everyone else. If you put this to a macro scale, like the socialists and the communists want to have, is that everybody gets everything free, well, the richest would no longer exist. That wealth would have to be distributed across everyone. Everybody would have the same amount of money regardless. What happens in these cases is that the drive for achievement is stifled. The You would have to stifle a number of human behaviors, in other words, to achieve this goal. It, it's completely impossible because of our very nature. That is the irony of that entire position. So the uh, there's a quote I wanted to read to you from Milton Friedman. There's the um, recommendation I'm going to give you as well to go listen to that I find um, he's very eloquent and he's very succinct, but he's also an economist. So it kind of makes sense. He points out um, the problem of equality when you address it in those manners, because you only have two choices, equality of outcome or equality of opportunity. Equality of outcome is typically the one that is not fair to human species. Quality of opportunity is the one that's most fair. So let me read you this quote that I found um, pretty pretty important and kind of will drive this home after that. A society that puts equality before freedom will get neither. A society that puts freedom before equality will get a higher degree of both. I want you to consider this for a while. A society that puts equality before freedom will get neither. I mentioned bees and ants earlier in this segment for a very good reason. Bee and ant colonies are socialist or communist so, uh, uh, colonies. The beehive has a singular queen, a, a matriarch, if you will, that runs the entire hive. Her job is to lay eggs. There is a a worker caste, I believe it is, that are all male. They, She essentially runs a male harem. They are there to fertilize all the eggs. They also get to decide who the new queen is and uh, develop that queen to a point where she, in turn, lays her own eggs and continues the cycle of the hive. The drones, the ones that collect the honey and get everything that they need for the rest of the hive, are gender neutral they are neither male nor female their job is to feed the colony you will note that the drones and the workers are castes if you will these castes have a singular function within the when the within the hive they have no freedom they are compelled to do exactly what their job is and there is nothing else that they can do they all work at the same rate for the same cause and for the same reasons yet the quality of outcome in this case is the same they all live for the continuation of the hive and there's no other purpose for their life they have nothing to compete and they have nothing to go against take the ants as well you got a matriarch in that consent, still laying the eggs. You got the workers, and you got the drones, and you got the gatherers. There's a little bit uh of a more diverse culture in the ant colony. But the uh ants themselves, they live in a society where they are also a socialist group. Their equality of outcome is the same because they are living to grow and develop the The colony. They are, in all intents and purposes, a socialist group. They do just what they're supposed to do, and nothing else and nothing more. They live to the lowest common denominator, which is survival of the colony, all for the group. Everything belongs to the group. So have here are obvious representations of communism and socialism in in its most successful sense. Here's your problem. Humans are neither communists or, or humans are neither bees nor are we ants. Our society actually does not function at that lower level of existence. We have different needs, different aspirations. We are a social species to be sure, just like they are. However, what you also have in this sense is that they are uh, lost my train of thought, I apologize. The ants and the bees, they are um, not representative, nor are they comparative to humans because we are a different species. We have different needs, different values. The The attempt to do socialist or communist um, beliefs in a human society is completely impossible because it would require us to ignore our evolutionary behaviors, our competitive advantages, our seeking of a mate, for example. Probably the most carnal thing that we have is trying to find somebody to bear our children for males or for females. This simple drive forces behaviors in both men and women. Women tend to want to be more attractive for a man, since, hence the invention of makeup, for example. Men try to act more assertive, confident, dominant even, to attract females. That is the whole reason behind it. If you take a look at sexual factors when you're asked, and um, there's been many studies on this too, that women prefer a confident, more assertive man than a not-so-confident or less assertive man. This is because we have a dichotomy of alpha and beta, just like our primate cousins, the apes and the uh, monkeys and all that do. There is an alpha within each of these um, troops of monkeys. Or, or And the betas are the ones they still get um, women's attention, but only at the discretion of the alpha. Th- if we were to take a smaller group of males, this would uh, essentially be the same case. You would have one man or two men that would fight for dominance, possibly physically, and the rest would follow that individual because they're more assertive and they're more aggressive. This is a very primal instinct for us. And it's inescapable. And because of these um, evolutionary traits, the equality of outcome for our species is, is an impossibility. It is a pipe dream that has been thrown at us at the begets of an ideological position. I would, I would argue in, in conclusion here, that the equality of outcome is something that people would like to see because it seems like a fair advantage. It seems like a good idea that everybody should be able to get the same rights and same inalienable inalienable, um, outcomes as everyone else. The richest person should be no better off than the, the cheapest hobo, a guy living on the street. They should both have their mansion. However, the fact that we do have a... A diverse set there, even in the capital society, shows and demonstrates that our own evolutionary behaviors are inescapable, at least for the time being, until they are no longer needed. Which seems to be somewhat of the case, except for we still mate. The whole essence of us um, trying to attract the opposite sex will always be a determinant factor in deterring or destroying the idea that equality of of outcome is even a possible thing in our society or even our species. It's just not capable because of our very nature. However, equality of opportunity is more than capable and, in fact, is our reality. Everyone has the opportunity to achieve greatness. Everyone has the opportunities to get the extra pay grade, do whatever you want. However, not everybody has the capacity or the capability. Thus, certain people get set apart from others. Where are still some people that do not have the capacity or the capability get a head start because of their ancestors having the traits that gave them success. Case in point, somebody that I really don't like, but we can talk about anyways, Donald Trump. I don't think that he has the capacity or capability to actually lead anybody. I find him to be an embarrassment. However, his family, his father and his grandfather were actually quite successful. And because of that, he inherited uh, an advantage over other people. That advantage is not of his own doing, but of his father's and his grandfather's doing. This part of our society and this part of our reality really ticks people off. I'm one of those people that is actually quite ticked off about this. However, I'm not one of those people that will take that and say that, well, my lot is cast. I'm kind of screwed. But I think of it this way. The opportunity for that person, let's keep with Trump just because it's fun, Trump's father and grandfather to be successful, I have the same opportunities that they do. They obviously started from nothing. Why Why not can I start from nothing and get something? So in, in two what you will see is um, it'll take more effort because the ones that start with an advantage take no effort. But that also does not mean that they actually have the skills to maintain their advantage. Many a trust fund baby has set themselves into ruin because they did not learn the necessary skills that it took to maintain and or um, gain advantages over others. If you watch some of the more reality TV shows um, about trust fund babies and advantages like Paris Hilton for example when she did her trust uh, her reality TV show it showed how much of a true embarrassment she was because she was not learning the skills necessary for her to maintain the opportunities she has been given by her parents and/ or grandparents However, her sister is probably more likely to maintain the family business and have to deal with her with Paris' inept and oftentimes embarrassing um, capabilities of not being able to achieve much of anything in this world. So opportunities present themselves, and even if you have an unfair advantage or competitive advantage, as, as it may be called, does not necessarily mean that the outcome is going to be the same. This is what people fail to realize when they look at the rich and complain about the rich. In reality, they want to be rich. The opportunity is there there for them to be rich, but they want to start with the same unfair advantage, which means that they want the same outcomes as everyone else. Unfortunately, this is not how things work. You cannot change the past, so you could never change somebody's opportunities or even those advantages that they have over someone else. Furthermore, you may be born or given uh, physiological disadvantages that make it more difficult for you to achieve what you want. I can think of a few that affect my own family, including autism, for example, that the opportunity for them to achieve greatness is there. However, they're going to have to work twice as hard to achieve it over somebody that does not have this disability. It's just a fact of life in that sense. Where I find it interesting and ironic is the claims for feminists, for example, wanting the quality of outcome when they really celebrate the opportunity. Do not exercise their drives when it comes to opportunity. So you do not seize the opportunity. They just want to cut to the chase and demand the same outcome. Essentially, what you have in the end is an incompatibility with our own social behaviors is driven by our evolutionary biology. We are a social species, but we are also a primal species who is always competing to outclass the next. That competition gives you an opportunity to grow that which cannot kill you Makes you stronger. And to rephrase, that which you lose is an opportunity to grow, to grow. And uh, with five minutes left, that's pretty much all I had to talk about today. I, I wanted to drive home that this equality versus or opportunity versus outcome is a farce that is impossible for our modern society. The equality of outcome is an illusion, and it is a it's a direct denial of our evolutionary traits. It's a direct denial of our behaviors. the The pay gap, the unequal um, pay, the sexist, racist, xenophobic all those other jargon words. Yes, there are cases of these. We cannot deny. However that does not give you the right to demand equality of outcome when it is an impossibility of our own species. Everyone has the same opportunity. What you decide to do with it is your own decision and not anybody else's. So I'm going to actually end this one probably a little bit early. I have four minutes left of this podcast. I thank you all for joining. Normally I do an after show after the uh, live stream event. So, Thank you, everyone, for coming and uh, look for the truth with evidence and not without. The axioms of truth without evidence are only those that are self-evident. Everyone has the opportunity to achieve greatness. This is self-evident. Not everyone can. This is also true and self-evident. The Axiom Principle seeks to uncover the truths and point out what is true and what is not through demonstration, through testing, through reason, through epistemology, and through discussion. Thank you, everybody, and have a good night.